This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, this is Pete the Planner, USA Today money columnist and host of the Ask Pete the Planner podcast. When I'm not fixing the weirdest financial situations you've ever heard of, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's half-holiday decorated basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, Tinsel lovers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we're prepping for a big holiday season here in Texarkana. We've got popcorn on a string, assuming Joe doesn't eat it all, colored lights that aren't police beacons for a change, and on today's show, is shopping online really a huge savings? Is trading online really changing the marketplace for stocks? We'll ask these questions and more from our team today, including from 401k manager Bloom, Chris Costello. Also, from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. Plus, wondering if there's a better gift for the holidays? Tanya Van Court does. She's with Goalsetter.co. And we'll talk to her about holiday gift giving today. Plus, we'll throw out the lifeline to a lucky caller and still have time for my trivia. And now, because the holiday cookies won't decorate themselves, Joe Salciha. Oh, no, they won't, but they also won't make it past me. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we've got a fantastic show for you today, and I can't wait to get to it because, well, we're going to talk shopping. Well, Doug already told you what we're going to talk about, so let's meet the team. We'll start over in, I believe she's in Las Vegas. We never know where she is. Paula Pant from Afford Anything. You know what? I never know where I am, so we've all got that in common. (laughs) Are you in Las Vegas today, though? I am. I am in back at home in Las Vegas, finally. That is fantastic. And somewhere east of you, I believe, in a town called Kansas City, it's our good friend Chris Costello from Bloom. That's right, bringing it from Kansas on the Kansas side of Kansas City. Thank you for having me. That's the crazy side, isn't it, Chris? I don't know that I would agree with that. <laughs> we, we, the roads are a lot better on the Kansas side than Missouri, uh-huh. so. and, and that's exactly why you live there. Right, right, right. Anybody who picks their home based on better roads is a, <laughs> is a friend of a nerd friend of ours. So tell everybody it's about certainly not the weather. <laughs> tell everybody a little bit about Bloom because it's been it's been a good what year and a half since you've been on the Stacky Benjamin Show. Yeah, it's which is crazy how fast the time has gone on. So Bloom uh, will be coming up on five years that we've since starting the company, founded by a couple myself and another guy that used to manage money for. Uh, wealthy people, and we kind of thought that the financial system, the model was broken, and that the, arguably the people that maybe that didn't have gazillions of dollars needed help more. And we wanted to build a tool uh, using technology to do that. And decided uh, we're a robo advisor, and we decided we wanted to focus on the very, very big 401k space. So we're a robo advisor 
for your workplace retirement account, like your 401k. It's awesome. And it's Bloom with three O's, right? Bloom with three O's.com. There's no amount of times you can remind people of three O's that I would be <laughs> upset with. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know, you guys got a nice uh, product, but you know who else does, Chris? Who's that? A company called Harry's. We got to thank Harry's for supporting Stacking Benjamins. That was the worst segue ever. This holiday, give Harry's and give Handsome. Get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping to get a limited edition holiday shave set. How does that sound? Does that sound cool? While supplies last, go to harrys.com forward slash SB right now. And we're also presented by magnifymoney.com. How does 450 bucks in your pocket sound? That's the amount the average person saves when they head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Whether you're looking to consolidate bills, clean up your credit card debt, look for reward cards, magnifymoney.com is the place to compare the best financial tools available. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney for more. We're magnifying this Friday for all of you. Another bad segue. Let's get, let's get into the headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. And our first headline comes to us from LendEDU. Dot com. Uh, Costco versus Amazon, which one's cheaper? This is one I picked because it's the holiday season and everyone's out doing shopping. And we assume, Paula, that shopping online is going to be cheaper, but it looks like in many cases it isn't. Well, I'd say a couple of things about that. Number one, yeah, Costco, of course, is going to be cheap because you're buying in bulk, you're buying wholesale and Costco's sort of built its reputation around offering you cost-effective items. The value of shopping on Amazon as opposed to Costco isn't necessarily the price. It's the combination of price plus time savings. So, you know, on Amazon, you might pay a slight premium, but the price is still going to be reasonable and you don't have to spend half an hour getting in your car, driving there, parking, going in, uh, you know, checking out, driving back. I mean, you're going to spend at least 30 minutes, if not an hour, just going to and from the store. And you save that with Amazon. But Chris, these price differences in some cases are huge. I'll go over a few of these. 12.1%, the total price increase when shopping on Amazon instead of Costco for identical items, 12% more money. 56.48% is the average price increase when shopping on Amazon instead of at Costco for identical items. I don't understand how those are different. How are those two stats different? The total price increase, the average, I see total versus average. So it's 12% total price increase, average price increase, uh, 56%. 95.82% and 120.15% is the total price increase and the average price increase, respectively, when shopping for identical food and beverage products on Amazon instead of at Costco. The two widest differences for any subcategory. Seems like, Chris, if you're doing grocery shopping, especially, Amazon doesn't pay. Yes, that's shocking that the differences are are that high. You know, Paula's point earlier about the time value, though, is is huge. Like, I know we, we have a Costco membership, but I think I probably go maybe once a year. And you hear stories about, like, people making trips to Costco, and it's like an entire Saturday event. Um, <laughs> and I, there's a lot of other things that are more entertaining than packing up and going to Costco. So I think there's definitely worth paying. There's some amount of premium that is definitely worth it on Amazon. But isn't Chris, well, I mean, one of the promises of the internet, I remember when we were first, you know, lured into shopping for more stuff on the internet was that we'll pay less money because less humans involved. You're getting rid of the middlemen. It seems like Amazon should be cheaper than Costco, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. Truthfully, I'm a little bit kind of perplexed by that. I mean, I maybe Amazon is building in there a little bit of a premium just because they can, because people recognize that I'm willing to pay a little bit more for not having to pile into my car or, or getting on the train to go to go in and buy this physically. Well, clearly, Paula, that's the case with you. You're willing to pay a little bit more to not have to, I mean, to have the items brought directly to you. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, rather than looking at the percentage difference between Amazon versus Costco, what I'll look at is the total dollar amount that I would be paying as a price difference. And so if getting in my car and driving to Costco, let's say that that consumes at least an hour and a half of my time, half an hour getting there, half an hour getting back, and then 30 minutes in the store. What is the value that I put on that hour and a half? Not in terms of percentages, but in terms of an actual amount. But do you say 50 bucks, 60 bucks? I mean, I might drive to Costco for that, but if we're talking 20 bucks, mm -hmm. I would just stay home and shop on Amazon. Did you look at the bottom of this, like uh, item by item? They have some of those prices. So let's take a look at a couple of those. I mean, well, you know, Chris, if you're going to Costco, you're buying 36 rolls of toilet paper at a time. That's actually small for Costco. Don't you have to buy that stuff by the pallet when you go to Costco? But it's uh, $39.99 at Amazon, $21.99 at Costco. I mean, right there, Paula, we've got what? We've got an $18 difference on toilet paper, almost double the price. Right. But if that's the only thing that you need, why make a special trip just for that? Well, that's true. So, <laughs> I mean, I... I was going to make some horrible analogy. Uh, Hellman's, Re <laughs> Hellman's Real Mayonnaise, $4.99 versus $6.29 at Amazon. Uh, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Uh, Paula, that's your favorite food. seven $7.49. $14.63 for the same one. Double. But it seems like you could, though, Paula. I mean, you could take three or four of these, maybe five, six, seven of these, add them together, and you're going to have a significant price difference by just jumping in the car and going to Costco instead of Amazon. If you actually need that many items, then sure, you can tally up what you need and see how big the price difference will be. And again, if it's more than about 50 or 60 bucks, then I guess that does justify about an hour and a half of your time. But I mean, a lot of times when I'm shopping, I only need one item. Like all I need is toilet paper or all I need is uh, Drano. So why make a entire trip to the store just for that one item? Yeah. Chris, how do you guys think about your shopping in your household? Paula made me think of something. I think the Costco and the Sam's are genius about the fact that, you know, to Paula's point, she's going for specific items that she needs. Nobody goes to Costco for just specific items they need. They come out there with 3X what they may have gone. You may have gone in there for, you know, a lifetime supply of Frosted Flakes, right. but you're going to come out of there with four new tires <laughs> and a new patio set for your backyard, you know? <laughs> so, so in the long run, maybe that's the secret there. They can, they can underprice Amazon because they know that you're going to end up coming out of there with a lot more than, than what you intended. And that's different, you know, on Amazon, I think people are destination. They're searching in a, there's not really browsing per se on Amazon. I, although I think that are trying to create some mechanisms where people will do that. I think would I think most people would say when they go to Amazon, they're typing in exactly the item they need. They're pulling it up, prime shipping it to them. So they're getting just what they need versus the stores like Costco or Sam's and, and Target is the same category too, where you walk in there and you end up with two or three X what you what you'd plan to get. A friend of mine calls Costco, Chris, to your point, he calls it the hundred dollar store. You know, you got the dollar store, then you have the hundred dollar. Yeah. You have the yeah. hundred because you never get out of Costco without spending a hundred bucks. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you know what the compromise between these two options are? Costco delivers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a way that you can have your Costco and online shop as well. Now, they don't deliver every item that's in their inventory. They only deliver certain things. But that is totally a way to, to have your Costco and eat it, too. But oh, I, think you just, I think you just coined the new marketing phrase for Costco right there. <laughs> have your Costco and eat it, too. Yes, Costco, if you'd like to sponsor the Stacky Benjamin Show, just uh, <laughs> write to me. I'm going to claim that one, Paula. Uh, <laughs> Let's move we signed on. away all rights. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Costco, our- <laughs> available for purchasing segways. <laughs> let's move on to our second piece, which comes to us from Investment News, place where investment advisors uh, hang out. Chris, you ever read Investment News? I do, yes. That's, uh, that is actually one of the things uh, that makes it into my list that I will read more a lot more frequently than others, actually. Big time industry rag. This piece written yeah. by... Tim Welsh says, get smart about the future of trading technology and regulatory pressures are pushing advisors toward model marketplaces. Uh, the piece says, if there was ever an industry in transition, it's the investment management industry. The pace of change is accelerating and transforming investing. You know, they talk in this piece, Paula, about how as much as new platforms and robo-advisors, online trading platforms are making it less expensive the industry still finding a way to make tons and tons of money. So that begs the question, are these do-it-yourself trading platforms, are they making people make moves that they shouldn't be making? I think that generally over the past 10 or 20 years, there has been more of an awareness about investing fees, expense ratios. I think uh, more people are probably aware now to look at that than they were in the 80s or 90s. But that being said, there's still a huge lack of financial education out there. And as long as that exists, it's easy to just make money off of an information gap. Yeah. And I guess what I'm asking you, Paula, is that if things are so, if it's inexpensive to move and people are known for doing the wrong thing, do you think that this actually, because it's it's not very expensive, right? So I can move my money around all the time where we know that set it and forget it usually is a much better way to go. Are the cheap trading fees maybe helping people cut themselves off at the knees? Oh, possibly, yes. Very, very possibly, yes. Because a $10 trading fee would disincentivize somebody from making lots of trades, That being said, the people who are going to be very active traders probably would have done it anyway. So I do think that there is a small fraction of the population that is probably trading more than they ought to be. But I just don't see that being like the bulk of the bell curve. Well, Chris, you're right on top of this, obviously, with Bloom. And I like what you guys do, where you kind of take it out of the investor's hand and say, hey, let let us help you with this. But do you think that these low fees that a lot of the trading platforms out there have are are helping investors do the wrong thing? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely there are reams and reams of studies that show that, you know, more frequent trading and tinkering with your portfolio almost always leads to worse performance, you know, to your point around set it and forget it. We think at Bloom that, actually we know at Bloom, yes, it's true that Fees are more in the forefront of the public, you know, understanding in terms of investments. But there's still probably 80 to 90 percent of the people today that really have no true understanding of exactly the fees that they're paying. 
especially inside of, of retirement accounts, workplace retirement accounts, 401ks. I think it's, I think the lack of transparency around um, some of the fees is second only to like the medical profession. You know, it's like you walk into a doctor's office, you have no idea what an x-ray costs or what an MRI costs. And to a lot of extent, that's the same thing that's still, his article talks about it. Wall Street's had to get more creative about moving and shuffling fees around to, to keep revenues up. I'm curious which type of customer you see more often at Bloom. Is it somebody that was trading too often and says, you know what, I'm messing with this too much. I want you guys to take care of it. Or is it somebody who has done absolutely nothing and they want it more professionally managed, you know, in a responsible way. So they turn to Bloom. It's definitely some of both. I mean, there's certainly people that have, uh, you know, we hear stories all the time. And if I can overly generalize or stereotype, uh, and, and I'm a man, so I can pick on men here for a little while. Oftentimes, it's men who think that they can trade themselves into financial success, you know, by trying to day trade and time the markets. And they oftentimes blow themselves up and lose a bunch of money. And then at that point, they realize, well, maybe I don't really know what I'm doing. And we've got a lot of those clients. And we've also got a lot of folks that were like, I never understood this, never felt comfortable doing this. You know, I understood the stakes were high. This was likely going to be, you know, whether I was going to ever be able to retire or not. Thankfully, I finally found a choice of a help option, basically, that will do this for me. Yeah. Uh, Paula, down at the bottom of this piece, it says, as investing costs continue to decline or become eliminated, the future of trading is rapidly becoming a different landscape, one that will be dominated by a new set of industry players. Any idea where you think this is headed? Who do you think these new players they're referring to might end up being? I think it'll be very decentralized. I think there won't be three or four titans, just as there are no longer, you know, a few titans of television channels. Now, TV channels are extremely decentralized. There's more networks than ever. I think the same thing will happen with regard to trading platforms. You'll have lots of websites and apps and X and Y and Z. And uh, there you know, will be a few that are more household names than others. But on the whole, it'll be far less centralized than what we've seen in the past. Chris, you're sitting right on top of this. Do you agree with Paula? Yeah, and technology is doing that. Technology, we talk about this at Bloom all the time, technology is democratizing access to financial help in so many different ways and therefore bringing in so many new players into the industry. Whereas before, you know, if you want to go back, you know, even 40 years, I mean, literally it was like the only way to get help was you were either a client of Merrill Lynch's or E.F. Hutton. And, um, and then there was a, you know, a brand new chapter that opened up, uh, as this article references in 1975, when commissions are deregulated and we've all seen what Charles Schwab has done. And then there was another chapter in financial services that opened, which was the mid to late nineties when everybody, uh, was getting online. And then all of a sudden, uh, trading became commoditized because you needed to, you used to, you used to have to go to Merrill Lynch and pay a couple hundred dollars for a trade because you needed Merrill Lynch for both the information, maybe the research report and the execution of the trade. Well, when the internet came on in the late 90s, both of those things became commoditized and you could get all the research you wanted by a Google search and you could execute trades online as we've been talking about for virtually nothing, whether it's 495 or 895. I mean, it's essentially free today. Now what technology is doing is it's bringing not just the execution and information around stock trades, but actual portfolio management and financial planning 
to the masses. And that's that's what we get really excited about um, is how technology can be helpful in democratizing access to something that people need but weren't getting it before the invention. So I think the takeaway here is is that technology, but what I think I hear you saying, Chris, is technology can be your friend, but I guess you got to, like anything, you I don't know, use it responsibly. Is that is that a good uh, good place to leave it? Well, yeah, you know, I think sometimes robo-advisors, there's, there's actually some financial services firms that are trying to run ads that are saying that robo-advisors are bad. You know, Joe, your background, you, you came from a background similar to mine as a financial advisor. When you've got humans out there giving advice, I, I remember situations back in the mid to late 90s where there'd be brokers, you know, pushing advice and products in the morning and then they'd go to lunch with somebody representing some mutual fund company and they took them to lunch and then by the afternoon they were recommending something different you know the, the beautiful thing about technology when it comes to portfolio management is it can repeat it perfectly over and over and over there's ultimate consistency and you don't have that human subjectivity being tainted if you will yeah and i think paul our takeaway from the first article the costco versus amazon that i like that you brought up is don't just look at the price. Think about the price of that time. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know what else to say to that. I think that sums it up perfectly. Ta-da! Da-da-da-da! <laughs> Upstairs talking to mom right now, Tanya Van Court. Tanya is an engineer by trade, worked in the technology industry back in the early roaring 2000s, late 1990s. So it's exciting to see somebody who's so ingrained in the process of online tools, now so deeply involved in the world of money, especially for kids. Personally, I've loved seeing how Goal Setter helps kids learn to plan at an early age, but now I love you can give it more easily as a gift. And that's why I asked Tanya here today. Of course, we don't endorse any of the fintech company founders we have on the show, but when we find companies as intriguing as Goal Setter, we're happy to learn more about what's going on there along with you. So here she is coming down to the basement from Goal Setter, Tanya Van Court. And Tanya Van Court from Goal Setter joins me. Welcome back. Thank you. You know how excited I am to be here. Well, it's always great to have you in the basement because you have very little energy. <laughs> That's why you keep me in the basement, Joe. <laughs> She's all ours, right? Let's talk about uh, rotten parties and rotten gifts. I think you've got a great story about your son, and uh, just kind of makes a wonderful point about just how bad it can be being a parent sometimes. It is tough, right? No one warned us. So yeah, my son, we threw this fifth birthday party for him. And we were so excited about it because he was totally into Spider-Man. So we're like, woohoo, we're going to do a Spider-Man theme. And we sent out the invitations and said Spider-Man theme. And, you know, we thought about the cupcakes and made them look like Spider-Man. And we put some webbing on the ceiling and made that look like Spider-Man. And the one thing we didn't think about, Joe was the gifts. We did not think ahead that telling everyone that we were having a Spider-Man themed birthday party would mean that every single person brought a Spider-Man doll. <laughs> and just what your kid needs is like 12 Spider-Man dolls. I mean, like, seriously, he was into Spider-Man, but who can be into Spider-Man that much? You 12 Spider-Man dolls? Buried in Spider-Man. Yeah, seriously, what did he get? And that, I guess that is exactly what he got. That's literally what he got. I mean, I, I had to take a picture of him after he opened his gifts 
holding three identical Spider-Man dolls. Like literally they all went to the same shelf in the same store and bought the same Spider-Man doll. And then beyond just holding those three, he had a life-size Spider-Man next to him. And when I say life-size Joe, like literally he's a big kid. And this Spider-Man was kind of looking at him eye to eye. (laughs) That's so bad. That's just, I, I can't think of who would think, yeah, okay, that's what that kid needs. But seriously, I think of every holiday, my kids are 22 now, but I think of every holiday, my kids got some junk. And instead of junk, you've got this cool program, a goal setter that for the holidays might be a better idea. Well, we definitely think so. And the truth of the matter is the kids who are on Goal Setter think so too. So what we do, Joe, is we let kids and families sign up for goals instead of getting more consumer goods. Their goals can be anything, anything they're excited about, anything they're into. Their goal could be, hey, I want to save up for chess lessons because I'm really into chess or, you know, like my son, he's super into strategy and board games. And he actually- I like that. I know you do. (laughs) So he actually signed up for after school strategy class that was super expensive. But on his birthday, people could contribute towards that strategy class. And that was an awesome gift for him, something he really looked forward to, as opposed to, you know, like four Spider-Man dolls. Yeah. So how do I set that up? I mean, so I go to so I go to goalsetter.co. That's right. You go to goalsetter.co and you as a parent have to create your own profile and then you add your kids to the profile. So you can add one kid, you can add seven kids, however many kids you have. Each kid then gets to sign up for their own goals and you can sit down and do it with them. We make it really easy because we have this really great grid with wonderful ideas. So, you know, we have dance lessons down there or a a fun trip that they might want to take or a musical instrument that they want. So we have lots of great ideas. Or if there's something that the kid wants that they have their own idea about, they can just type it in. I like this idea because you start with the end in mind. You know, we always say in financial planning, start with your goal and work backwards to what you want to do to achieve that goal. And you're starting them off toward this at a young age. We definitely are. And the thing that I love about it, Joe, quite frankly, is, you know, we all have kids and we want our kids to eschew small things in favor of saving for things that are big, because that's a life skill, right? The truth is, I really don't care what my kid's goal is, right? Like if my kid wants to save for some sneakers, no worries, like save for those sneakers that you're excited about, because what that means is you're not going to spend $2 over here on that candy bar or $5 over here on that other small piece of plastic junk toy that you really don't need another one of. Well, yeah, just on stuff that you'll forget. Exactly. On stuff that you'll forget. And that doesn't really matter to you. So when we teach them those savings muscles when they're young, they have those, as you know, as they get older. So that's what we're all about, really getting kids to think about how to save towards larger things that they really care about. And kids who write down their goals are 50% more likely to achieve them. Isn't that what we all want for our kids? Yeah, that sounds, it's funny. You say that goal, you say that number 50% for kids, but I think that number is very similar for parents too. Like it's, if parents write down their goals, they're more likely to get them. Let me ask you about this though. Like I've got my nephews, got my nieces, I don't want to go through the hassle of signing up for all this stuff. That sounds great. I just want to give it as a gift. Can I do that? 
You absolutely can. And they actually don't even need to have a goal setter profile for you to be able to give it as a gift. We let you go on to goal setter. You can plug in an email address. It could be your nephew or niece's email address if they've got one, or it could be their parents' email address. And then you can choose a goal card as opposed to getting them a gift card. A goal card is a digital card with real money towards real dreams. And the thing that we love about that, Joe, is we say, you know, a gift card says to a kid, hey, I can't wait to see what you're going to buy next. A goal card says, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Big difference. Huge difference. Huge. Absolutely. Get them out of that uh, just buy, buy, buy culture, which we all seem to, you know, I mean, the, the capitalism is all around us, especially this time of year, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the site seems really easy to use. I can either share a goal. I can give a gift card, which you just explained. The kids make their goals. So when the money goes into a goal setter account, uh, that type of account, I guess that's an account that you guys hold. So it is an account that we hold, but it's an account that's actually held in the parent's name. Okay. So the parent is the custodian for the account. And then the kids are have sub accounts underneath that parent. And whenever the kids want to cash out, whether they've already reached their goal or not, uh, they can cash out back to their parents' bank account. And so it's all secure. It's an FDIC insured account. And the kids can't just run off with, with the money and, <laughs> and go to Mexico. <laughs> of course, my 12-year-old's in Tijuana. Exactly. <laughs> That's a bad day. Well, bad day for me. Might be a good day for them. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, and you've got twins, so they've got company. They're going together. <laughs> my my head hurts just thinking about that. Well, well, and to put a point on this, you know, we talk about kids want different gifts, but your daughter has a whole different thing that she wanted. Tell me about that. I love this story. She did. So my daughter, when she was about to turn nine, and yes, I said nine, she said that there were only two things that she wanted for her birthday. The first thing she wanted was enough money to finish saving for an investment account. And the second thing that she wanted was a bike. I loved when she told me that because, you know, one of those goals was so rooted in the future and was like the big girl goal. And the other one was like, mom, I just want to get away from you and go ride around the neighborhood with my friends. (laughs) That's so, I mean, I just can't imagine my kid telling me I want an investment account. You're like, what? Like, where did that even come from? (laughs) Well, you know what? The funny thing about it is, again, it goes back to goals, Joe, like, Four months before, I told her if she saved $100 on her own, I would match her $100 and we'd set up an investment account for her. And she said, what's an investment account, mommy? And so I explained to her what it was in a you know in eight-year-old terms, and she got really excited about it. So she went and she did a lot of chores. She did some extra math homework. She raised $30 just hustling and doing everything she could think of to raise money. But then her birthday rolled around and you know her eyes got big and bright and shiny as she thought about, hmm, either I could get lots of plastic toys or maybe people can give me money and I can finish saving for this investment account that mom's going to match. That's awesome. Well, sounds like the, uh, what's that? The acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. Sounds like uh, daughter gets some of mom's characteristics. Sounds fantastic. Tanya Van Court, the site is goalsetter.co and a uh, great place for gift giving. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming back. We always love having you here in the basement. Absolutely. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And today, let's talk about an area near and dear to Chris Costello's heart, 
Today, Uncle Doug's got a story problem. Your employer deposits a profit-sharing contribution into your 401k account. However, this money is not automatically yours. In this particular plan, you receive 30% of the money if you leave the company after one year, 60% after two years, and 100% after three or more years. What's the term for this sort of schedule? I'll be back with the answer and hopefully the hidden location of the elf on a shelf in just a minute. Thanks to Harry's for supporting our podcast. You know, I didn't know what I was getting into when I got my free trial set, but the packaging on the trial set was was pretty amazing. I was expecting a great shave, but when I got a few laughs about humming being optional when I'm lathering up or how to dab my face afterwards was pretty sweet too. Harry's was started, like a lot of companies we talked to on the show by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys fed up with getting ripped off, having to refinance their house every time they shaved. They started Harry's to fix it. They created their own blade factory, took less profit by selling directly to you over the internet, now offers their blades at half the price. Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades, they'll give you this same trial set I got for free, just cover the $3 shipping. Stop messing around and get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming the free trial offer, a $13 value. Here's what you get, a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineer blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel. I love the smell of that shave gel, by the way, and a travel blade cover. Thanks to Harry's for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Head to harrys.com forward slash SB. That's harrys.com forward slash SB for the trial set. Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler, or is that just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Chase just recently had 100000 on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are extremely profitable for large banks, and they are really wanting to get more customers, and so they're they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say, if, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackcabegements.com forward slash Magnify Money. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back. And today, Uncle Doug's got a story problem. Your employer deposits a profit-sharing contribution into your 401k account. However, this money is not automatically yours. In this particular plan, you receive 30% of the money if you leave the company after one year, 60% after two years, and 100% after three or more years. What is the term for this sort of schedule? Well, if you said vesting, 
You'd be correct. A vesting schedule allows employers to hand out a great incentive to employees to stick with the company. More money in the future. By telling employees up front how much they stand to lose if they leave, it's another reason to maybe hold on tight for another year. I know all about vesting schedules because Joe's mom bakes Chex Mix and tells me if I wash the windows, I can have a little this weekend and more the following week. It's dirty work, but somebody's got to do it, and man, that Chex Mix is tasty. See ya! We were 100% on that, guys. Nice job. Good. Yeah, Chris, I know that was a tough one for you, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, those darn vesting schedules. Right. Paula, you were quick on the trigger on that one. You were all over vesting. <laughs> well, I have been uh, writing about personal finance for six years now, so <laughs> learned a thing or two in that time. Right. Hey, let's uh, throw out the helpline to somebody who clearly called a wrong number because nobody ever asked us for help. Today's call to the helpline is sponsored by Stacky Benjamin's Courses. You want to learn from people that are boring or the people that you go to when you want to have some fun and learn a little bit about money, stackybenjamins.com. Scroll down a little and you'll see our full slate of courses, including how to legally cheat on your taxes, which is well, one of my favorite courses. Today, we're going to give some help to our new BFF, Mike. Say hello, Mike. Hey, Joe and OG. My name is Mike. Quick question for you. I'm planning on leaving my career to change careers in about six months. I'll be going back to school for a year full time. I was just wondering, would you recommend that I put all of my money into my 401k or that I try and save some money and put it towards the student debt that I'll have to take out to pay for this schooling? I know I don't really learn anything on your show, but I could really use some advice here, guys. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks a ton for the call, Mike. And Paula, let's start with you. So should he keep going into the 401k or should he start uh, easing back on the 401k, put some money aside so he doesn't go into so much student debt? First and foremost, put enough into your 401k that you're definitely getting the full employer match because that is the best quote unquote guaranteed return in the world of finance. After getting your employer match, at that point, it's, it's a judgment call that's going to involve number one the interest rate on the student loan that you could get versus the expected returns that you would get in the market. Number two, the effect that this has on your cash flow, like your your monthly cash flow situation in terms of paying back that student loan and you know how much wiggle room you have within your your budget for that. And number three, your personal feelings towards debt, whether or not it's going to help you sleep more easily at night. Chris, uh, what do you think? Do you agree with Paula? Yeah, I agreed strongly with the first part and I wanted to give her like a like a high five over the airwaves <laughs> cuz I agree 100%. You should never barring like some massive financial emergency, you know, relative sick type thing should never forego the employer match. And so find out if in his case if the employer makes a match cuz not always is there a match made. If there is, he should be putting exactly enough money to maximize that employer match, I would actually tweak the recommendation and say, stop at that point, period, no more whatsoever, and put every other dollar towards a rat hold savings account so that he can hopefully minimize the amount of student loan he is taking it. Loans are absolute debt is debilitating it's toxic and not just, you know, from a financial standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint, 
we coach um, and encourage our clients as much as possible to get out of debt as fast as humanly possible. And I know there's some mathematical arguments that you can say, well, if the interest rate's low and you're going to make more over time, that mathematically and on the right-hand side of your brain, rationally, that makes sense. But I think it's way more important. There'd be more people in America on solid footing if they did not have debt. You see people all the time, Chris, I'm sure that at this point, you know, Mike might even look at that money inside the 401k and go, hmm, instead of a student loan, what if I took a 401k loan? What do you think about that? I think in that case, it would, to Paula's point, it would make more sense if it came down to that decision to look at the two interest rate scenarios. And obviously, when you borrow against your 401k, you are paying yourself back some interest. But here's the problem where I think that probably wouldn't work, though, Joe. He's going to separate service from his employer. Uh, Good point. The second he separates, he's not going to be able to take that loan. And definitely, definitely do not cash that thing out. Everybody knows you just get completely clobbered on taxes when you take money out of a 401k early. Yeah, Paula, when it comes to uh, somebody looking at taking out student loans, you've talked in the past, haven't you, about looking at what that degree is going to make, Mike, in terms of future income? Yes, absolutely. So the general rule of thumb is that your total student loan amount that you borrow should be no more than one year's worth of your starting salary upon graduation. So if you expect that after you graduate, your starting your initial salary in the, in year one would be $60,000, then borrow no more than 60000 to get that degree. Uh, and the reason for that is so that that way you can contribute 10% of your starting salary income towards your student loan every year and you'd have it paid off in 10 years. Thanks a lot for the question, Mike. If you've got a question for us, uh, you can send those to joe at stackingbenjamins.com. Actually, if you want to leave us a voicemail, it's stackingbenjamins.com, and you'll see questions for the show at the top. We also get letters. Doug just brought down the mail, and today's letter comes to us from Kevin. Kevin says, my employer's requiring rollovers of any old 401ks into an IRA or our company's 401k. Is it legal to force employees to do this. Now, Paula, no offense, but we got a 401k guy here, so I think I'll go right to Chris. (laughs) We'll just ask Chris. Chris, have you ever heard a new employer saying you have to roll your old 401k into the new 401k or to an IRA? Uh, Yes, in cases where the balance is below a certain amount. I see that oftentimes if you've got less than 1,000, sometimes less than 5,000, in your 401k and you separate service, there can be provisions written into the plan documents that will state that you do need to get that money out of there and and yes, move it to an IRA or could be oftentimes maybe a good option, like it said, to roll that into your 401k at your new company. Yeah, I don't think Uh, he's I don't think he's talking about that, Chris. I get where you're going. He's talking about his new employer is telling him what to do with his old 401k that any old 401k he has has to go into an IRA or into his current company, his his current new company, his new employer's telling him he's got to move that money from his old company to an IRA or 401k. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. I think, I think got, there's some confusion there. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think he's, I think he's, I don't know, Paula, can you make any sense of that? I mean, I'm not a legal expert, so I can't comment on whether or not it's legal, but it certainly rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. If what he's saying is accurate, that uh, leaves a bad taste in my mouth in terms of policy. Yeah. Those are, I mean, don't get me wrong. Those are good moves, right? 
moving it into an IRA or into the new company's 401k. Of, yeah, right. of those two moves, Chris, which one do you like better, moving old money to the new 401k or moving it to a self-directed IRA? Well, as is, seems like the case in a lot of things in personal finance, it depends. <laughs> if your new employer, the 401k you're currently participating in, if that's with a good 401k platform like a Vanguard with really low uh, low cost funds and a good selection of funds to pick from. In that case, it might make a lot of sense to roll that old 401k right into your new 401k. But if your current 401k is at a place that's got high fees, like a principal or a John Hancock, if I can name some names specifically, then those are traditionally plans that have insanely high outrageously high internal fees inside of those funds. And in that case, it'd be a no brainer. You'd want to go the route of a rollover IRA. John Hancock and principal fans uh, direct your hate mail to Chris at, Chris at bloom.com. Bloom. <laughs> we're, hey, we're all about picking fights here with the people that are charging our clients too much. So yeah. Yeah, feel free to. Yeah. Chris is like, you want a piece of me? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's good. Paula, anything to add there? I don't think so. No. Ta-da. Again, I give you the ta-da. Right. Thanks again uh, for the question, Kevin. I also think you're confused a little there. There's something that either your HR person's confused or you confused what they were telling you because that just doesn't that doesn't sound right at all. I've never heard that before. Once again, if you've got a question for the show, stackingbenjamins.com, right at the top of the page, it says questions for the show. Click that link and you'll see you could leave us a voicemail or write us a letter. Uh, thanks to you guys for playing. Let's start off, Paula, with you. What the heck's going on over there at the Crazy Afford Anything? At the Crazy Afford Anything podcast, every other week I answer questions that come in from the listeners, including featuring a certain somebody who is also on this show. Hmm. Who would that be? <laughs> that would be you, Joe. We have some fun. We do. We do. So, Joe, you lend your wisdom to the show and uh, we tackle a whole bunch of questions. And in addition to that, I have interviews with Scott Harrison, the founder of Charity Water, mm. as well as Will Bowen, who launched a campaign to get people to complain less. <laughs> Interesting. We, we, <laughs> the Will Bowen episode will air on Christmas Day. My wife would say I definitely need to listen to that episode, That's, I think. <laughs> back when my kids were home, I, I would have liked to have had them listen to that uh, Chris Costello, thanks for joining us, man. You guys are always busy at Bloom. Tell everybody what you got going on over there. Well, yeah, we, um, we've experienced a ton of growth this year. We passed a billion dollars of portfolios that we are managing for our clients in late July and where we're going to come close to hitting 2 billion actually before, by the end of the year, I think maybe, maybe in January. So growth has definitely picked up quite a bit clients from every nook and cranny of this country. There's there's we still got a lot of work to do. There's 90 million people today in the U S that are right now participating in a 401k or a 403b. And most of those people, if you asked them if they were confident that they knew what they were doing with their 401k, the vast majority would say no. And so we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but making good progress. Well, I'm so happy you spent some time helping us with the show today. And if people want more, they don't know what to do with their 401k. It's bloom with three O's.com, correct? That's correct. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, Doug, going to turn it over to you. What should we have learned today? 
Sure thing, Joe. Why don't you get back to flossing your teeth with the string from the popcorn decoration thing? I'll tell everybody what we should have learned. Hey, check out the deals at local stores. As online companies realize you're only shopping online, it appears they might be using that knowledge to bump up their profit margins. Second, looking for good holiday ideas? Maybe giving kids another Spider-Man outfit isn't a great idea. While we'll let you decide on Goal Setter, you should think about gifts that kids can use to invest in their future. But the big lesson? Don't decorate the basement with Joe's mom unless you're willing to listen to the Alvin and the Chipmunks album all afternoon. That woman's got a serious problem. Special thanks to Chris Costello from Bloom for joining us today. For more on Bloom, with three O's by the way, head to B-L-O-O-O.com. Thanks also to Tanya Van Court from Goal Setter for stopping by. You'll find details about Goal Setter at goalsetter.co or on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com. When you're done messing around with us, who do you want to teach you some money tricks? That nerd who talks over your head or your favorite basement-based geeks? Kathleen Selmans operates our Stacking Benjamins classroom. And to make up for the fact that we don't teach you anything here on the show, she's created a whole lot of tools you'll absolutely love. Head to learn.stackingbenjamins.com for details. And use coupon code DUGROCKS for 10% off. Yeah, you're welcome. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to OG for changing the music. Dude, you're a lifesaver. Luckily, this Dominic the Donkey song isn't catchy at all. Welcome to the after show, part of the show that doesn't exist. We just explained to Chris what the hell an after show is. So, Chris, you got to keep this part secret. Okay. All it's right. like Fight Club. <laughs> That's right. What happens at after show stays an after show. But let's talk holiday parties because on Wednesday show, I was mentioning to OG that I can't, I can't stand holiday parties. And I wanted to get your, your take on this. Paula, what do you think about holiday parties? 
I love any party, really. It's like an excuse to mingle with a bunch of people, eat delicious foods that are really bad for you, and drink too much. What's not to love? Don't you always end up in some conversation, though, that is just you'd rather not be in? Oh, yeah, that's true pretty much any time that I socialize with a large group of strangers. It's not exclusive to holiday parties. That <laughs> happens at conferences. It happens really any time I leave the house. <laughs> now, Chris, you have a background like mine in financial planning, and I don't know about your spouse, but mine... Mine went to, I think, two American Express holiday parties. Ooh, yeah. Bef- Lavish. Sure. B- yeah, but before she quit going because they were so yeah. unbelievably boring. Well, Joe, you and I were in the business back in a different time. Like the the parties, uh, the raucous parties of the mid-1990s were, it was a different time period back then if you were a stockbroker, which they don't even call people that anymore. But uh, I, w- I was curious, Joe, why do you not like it? So I end up hanging out with people that I really don't care that much about. This is horrible. People, I'm just going to sound like such a Scrooge. People I don't really care about that much. I'm dressed in something that I'd rather not, you know, I'm too dressed up because it's usually mm-hmm. a company thing and I'm not feeling comfortable there. And uh, so I generally, to Paula's point, when she talks about eating and drinking, I hang out by the food table and I overeat. Yeah. The thing that I worry about being the the CEO of a company with a growing number of employees is I actually gave this, I went on a little bit of a rant soapbox the other day in the office. And I said, if you show up to the party, I was talking to the, all of the Bloom employees, if you show up to the party and you're driving yourself, meaning you have not taken an Uber, you're going to have to give me a really good reason why you drove. Because we pay for Ubers for all of our employees there and back. I, I just worry about the liability. I mean, I remember hearing a stat one time that that's like the most liability filled event of the year is company holiday parties. We try, we try and mitigate that a little bit. Well, there's another thing that goes on at holiday parties, Paula, which is especially company holiday parties. I mean, how many times have you been at like a company type holiday party where somebody makes a real ass out of themselves? They have too much to drink and they do something really dumb and everybody's talking about it at work the next day. Oh, yeah, that's the best part. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely the reason you want to be there. I take that back. Like somebody starts singing karaoke that totally shouldn't. Again, best part. Take out your phone, video that, Facebook Live it, Periscope it. Oh, yeah, you'll you'll have something to remember uh, on your deathbed. Yeah, I would agree with Paula, Joe. I think that's an uptick of a holiday party. The ri- the thing I worry about too is uh, this is you know the world we live in today with the Harvey Weinstein's and Charlie Roses and now you know Matt Lauer is that uh, you know that 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 type of behavior cropping up in an event like that. Right, right, man, and that's tough when you mix uh, people that work together all day with alcohol. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, yeah. well, that's a downer to leave it on, Chris. <laughs> Well, you're the one that said he didn't like him. So I felt like I was, you know, I should like join the party of, of negativity on these things. Anybody have a, anybody have a holiday party moment that you remember that was particularly great or awful? Oh, you know what I do? Okay. So when I, uh, I, I worked at a newspaper briefly, we didn't get paid very much. And I remember chatting with two of the guys who worked in the advertising sales department and we were talking about the upcoming holiday party. One of the guys was very much on the like, don't drink too much. You know, ideally don't drink at all. This is, you know, we're professionals. You've got to be professional. Like he was really lecturing the other two of us. What, you know, whereas myself and the other guy, we were like, open bar, we're going to do whatever we want. (laughs) So that was a conversation that we had prior to the party. Fast forward to the night of the party itself. Myself and the other guy who were all talking big game about like open bar, you woo, were 
very normal. We were very down to earth. And the guy who was lecturing us about the importance of being professional was that guy. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Typical. That's <laughs> so awesome. That's that's fantastic. All right. Well, as we go into holiday party season, buckle your seatbelts. And f- I, I guess I guess the lesson here with the, the after show is uh, follow Paula Pant's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the day after, yeah, around the holiday season. Right. <laughs> At Paula Pan. Right, definitely. And the other lesson takeaway is take an Uber yeah. to the event and back. Amen. Chris Costello leaving us responsibly. That's very nice. That's right. <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother in law, Eric who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website. Resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.